We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone an opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate that any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup alone. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out that description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. I am Vince D'Addario, and with me, as always, is the publisher of irishbreakdown.com, and that is Brian Driscoll. And, and Brian, um, we are going to kick off kind of a series, I guess. And mm-hmm. it's not really a defined series, but we're going we're gonna to break down a couple of the position groups, uh, you know, what – what they look like now, what they will potentially look like in mm-hmm. the future. Um, I, I know we're going to do kind of a, a superlatives uh, podcast where we're going to hand out some awards for the 2020 mm-hmm. season. We'll break down the offense. We'll break down the defense. We got all kinds of stuff coming at mm-hmm. you. We, we got a lot more ideas uh, for podcasts uh, at the moment. So mm-hmm. we will see how that goes. But uh, <clears throat> a lot of good stuff coming. Uh, we're excited about it. But today – we're going to kind of kick things off with the most uh, important slash scrutinized slash whatever else you want to fit in here. Uh, well, as, a, as a former quarterback, uh, as a player and a coach, you could have just ended with most important. So, <laughs> I'm sure that's um, true. Yeah, we could have I'm just sure that's true. Well, yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about the Notre Dame quarterback position and what it looks like today – and what it may look like in the spring and then in the fall. And then again, when we get to August 5th, or I mean, September 5th, when Notre Dame is going to be down in Tallahassee, Florida, taking on Florida State. And it's a good question as to what they're going to see uh, on the other side of the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a whole other conversation for another podcast. But so we're going we're gonna to dive into quarterbacks. Uh, this is the most uncertain, I guess, is the best word for yeah. it, Brian. The most uncertain that we have been uh, or that the coaching staff has been in the quarterback position since Brian Kelly took over uh, over a decade ago. I mean, yeah, I, I think the last time there was this much uncertainty at quarterback was 2007 when Jimmy Clausen was a freshman, you know. And, and, and the reason I say uncertain is there have been question marks going into the season at quarterback plenty of times. You know, 2010 – uh, Dane Chris was the clear starter, but 2011, you know, there was the battle between Chris and Reese. So you weren't sure who the starter was going to be, but you had two guys that had played in one football games. Exactly. Uh, you know, 2012, you had Tommy Reese as the returning starter. He gets suspended. Ever Golson steps in and plays well. 
Um, you know, so you at least had a starter you could rely on. And if he got beat out by the younger, more talented guy, then, then, then so be it. That's, sure. that's part of the deal. Um, you know, 2013, it was Tommy Reese's job. 2014, it was Everett Golson's job. 2015, it was Malik Zaire's job. He gets hurt. Sean Kaiser steps in. 2016, it's a battle between Deshaun Kaiser and Malik Zaire. It, two, two guys that have started games and played and won games 2017 was Brandon Wimbush's job 2018 was Brandon Wimbush's job till he got beat you know till he got beat out by Ian Book and then of course it's been Ian Book's job ever since so there was never a great deal of uncertainty in regards to we don't know what to expect it was who's gonna start but you at least had some sort of track record with the starters right um even with Malik Zaire who didn't play a ton the year before he did start against LSU in the bowl game and, and played well and showed himself uh, to be capable, came off the bench against USC late that year and did some nice things. So there was at least you kind of knew who it was. And, and, and he started in North do. Carolina, right? Uh, who, Malik? Oh, I'm sorry. You're thinking you're of Ian Book. Book. No, I thought no, you were no. talking about Ian Book. I apologize. No, no it's okay. Uh, and we'd seen Ian Book that year multiple times, too. Right. Came off the bench against LSU the year before. So, But, again, 2018, it was, it was Brandon Wimbush's job unless sure. Ian Book beat him out. You knew what, what was in contention. This year, you're going into a situation that, that is unlike it, like anything we've seen since 20, 2007 because you've got this really talented freshman that's considered the future, but how, how ready are you to turn the, the reins over to him? Uh, you have other talented quarterbacks, but you've got to question, you know, what are they ready to play? You know, so sure. you look at back in 20, 2007, you had Demetrius Jones, you had Zach Frazier, um, they were considered four-star recruits, and obviously, you know, we could debate whether they were or weren't, but they, they were unproven guys. You didn't know what to expect. And then you had the stud freshman. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a big question mark. The difference now is Notre Dame could dip into the transfer portal, which is what I think they'll do, and we'll get into that in a little bit. So there's just so much uncertainty, Vince. If you look at the numbers, there's 41 career passing yards coming back. Uh, 22 of those were on one throw from Brendan Clark where he threw a screen pass to Braden Lindsay that went for a 22-yard touchdown way back early 2019 yeah, against New I Mexico. Remember I remember it. You've got about 33 rushing yards, and uh, there's just not a lot. And, and there's no – the closest thing this group has had to like a high-leverage situation was Drew Pine's two snaps against Alabama in the, in the, in the semifinal game where Ian Book got hurt. Uh, and then Drew Pine stepped in, handed the ball off once, and then threw a, a little quick pass on third and like 24 or something like that. Third and 23, I think is what it was. Uh, throws a little slide route. So, I mean, it wasn't like there was a pressure on him to drop back and make a read and throw the ball down the field. So, um, you just don't know what to expect. I mean, it's it's sure. a, it's it's a great and even if they add a grad transfer, what's how's that guy going to fit into the system? What's the offense going to look like? I mean, you know, how's he going to? handle making the transition to Notre Dame so it's there it's there's just there's way 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 more questions than there are answers but there's also some talent to work with no that's absolutely true and and I want to jump into this but before we do I want to make sure that we hear from one of our sponsors and the first one we're going to hear from today is our friends at Indeed 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient which means every hire is critical and Indeed is here to help Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site. And that's according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. And unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. You can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. According to Comscore, 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st, terms and conditions do apply. 
Okay, welcome back. And we are discussing the quarterback situation here at Notre Dame. And let, let, let's let's first uh, briefly talk about what Notre Dame is losing. Uh, they, they're, they're losing what Brian Kelly calls a winner. Mm-hmm. And he's had 35 starts at Notre Dame. I believe he's 30-5 and five, uh, overall. All-time winning this quarterback at Notre Dame, wins-wise. He's second on the list in a couple of other categories. Uh, from what Ian Book was when he got here out of California – um and what he is leaving as he has been a, a, a pleasant surprise uh in my opinion i am i have been impressed what he has been able to bring to the table i wasn't even sure he would ever start a game at notre dame when he came uh i thought it, this is me talking this is this is vince talking i when i thought he was picked up as kind of insurance um you know he was committed to washington state i believe uh prior to coming to notre dame and and uh, you know all due respect to uh, Washington State fans that that's a step down from Notre Dame and when he kind of flipped to go to Notre Dame it's like okay I'm not sure what this three-star six-foot kid is really going to bring to Notre Dame he's going to be insurance I'm sure he's a smart kid he can fill in when necessary but he did a good job I mean he he uh, exceeded my expectations uh, when he got to Notre Dame so that is a success in my mind I, I can talk about all the things where I felt like he felt short as a as a starter at Notre Dame and what they could have done with this offense. But some of that I don't think is his fault. I think some of that is the fault of the coaching staff, but that's a, again, maybe another podcast. Um, but uh, so Ian book 35 starts, he's headed to the senior bowl, the Reese's. And I say that because that's one of my favorite candies, the, the Reese's uh, <laughs> senior bowl. And uh, so he's gone and leaves a pretty, not empty, but an inexperienced quarterback room. Your thoughts on Ian Book? And we'll keep it brief because I think we could probably get in a whole other podcast and what the Ian Book legacy is here at Notre Dame. Yeah, I think what you got is in Ian Book is you have a kid that basically was not going to get you beat. Sure. You know, that, that was the thing. He wasn't going to get you beat. Uh, Notre Dame didn't lose to Alabama, Clemson, uh, Georgia in 2018 or 2019. Um, Clemson in 2018 because of Ian Book. And what I mean by that was he needed to play at a high level. They it, Those weren't games they were going to win, but then his play is the reason they lost. It was, can he play well enough to give you a chance to win? And he didn't in, in most of those cases. The only game that I really felt like they lost because of Ian Book was the Michigan game last year. And that happens to, to just about every quarterback. Uh, you know, Deshaun Watson had some pretty bad turnovers and misplays in the in the pit game in, in 2016. And Dwayne Haskins didn't exactly give Ohio State, you know, some some great play in the first half against Purdue in 2018. So th- those things are going to happen. Um, but he was not going to get you beat against Northwestern, Syracuse, teams right. like that. And that's a positive because that's not how it always was. Uh, if you go back to pre-2017, the problem for Notre Dame was is that the, it wasn't that they lost to the Oklahomas and, and, the, and the Stanfords and when Michigan was good. It was, it was the, the Michigan State. They lost to a really good Michigan State team in 2010. Um, it was the years where you lost to Tulsa. And I know Tulsa was ranked that year, but you're Notre Dame. You shouldn't lose to Tulsa. It was losing to Navy in 2010. It was losing to Pitt in, in, you know, in 2013. It was losing to uh, Northwestern and Louisville in 2014. It was, it was those kind of losses that were really, um, you know, those weren't good football teams. Right. And Louisville was, was ranked at the end of the year, I think, 24th because they beat Notre Dame. Well, they shouldn't have beat Notre Dame, and they should have finished unranked. So, those are the kind of losses you look at and, and say, boy, those are the losses that completely change the narrative of your seasons. If you go back to, for example, to 2010, Notre Dame goes eight and five. Well, if you just beat Tulsa Navy, you're, you're 10 and three, you know, in 2011, you lost to a pretty good USC team. You know, that, that's going to happen. But then you look at some of the other games and you're like, you know, how, how are you losing that game when you're beating, you know, you're beating this team over here. You look at 2013. Uh, losing to Pitt, had no business losing to Pitt. You lose, you beat Pitt, and you're ten and three. I mean, simple as that. You're ten and three. You lost to an unranked Michigan team that year. Um, you know, 2014, you lost to a, a Northwestern team who went four and eight. 
and then you lost to, to Louisville. You win those two games, all of a sudden you're, you're 10-3. and three. Again, you're 10-3. and three. I mean, that's the thing that was frustrating about Notre Dame is they would have these really good wins. And then – because Brian Kelly has three wins over in his career over teams that are going to finish ranked in the top ten. And I'm assuming Clemson's going to finish ranked in the top ten this year. So that's one of them. Fair bet. Two of those wins came all the way back in 2012 and 2013. So, like, during that inconsistent time is when he got two of his three best wins of his career. Plus, in 2012, they beat Oklahoma on the road. So, some of the best wins Notre Dame has had came during that same stretch where they had some of the most maddening losses. With Ian Book as your quarterback, you weren't losing those games. You weren't losing to Northwestern. You weren't losing to Syracuse. You weren't losing to Tulsa. Because, number one, he wasn't going to make the mistakes. But also, Ian Book made a lot of plays in those games. Yeah. You know, and and I think of – you know, the, the one thing that I always respect about Ian Book is, is he never allowed his own mistakes. Like, his big issue was he was afraid to make a mistake, but he never let the mistakes he did make rattle him. And I think to the Northwestern game in 2018, what did Ian Book do on the first possession of that game? That was a ranked Northwestern team. Team played in the Big Ten title game. He fumbled the ball, gave it to Northwestern. And then in the fourth quarter, Northwestern blocks a, a punt and goes down, and all of a sudden it's a 24-21 ball game. What does Ian Book do? Leads the offense right down the field for a touchdown to put the game away. There was a lot of, lot of games like that. And, and, you know, to where he was going to make the plays that you needed to make to go win a game. And, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. You sure. knew what you were going to get at the minimum from Ian Book in those games. Going into next year, you have no idea what you're going to get from any of the quarterbacks. Now, maybe, some of, somebody, maybe one of them steps up and they're better than Ian Book. I, I have no idea. Maybe – you know, one of them steps up and, and, you know, is a little bit inconsistent and maybe they lose to Purdue, but then they go out and beat, you know, a team that they're not supposed to beat because he plays well at that time. So we just really don't know what to expect. And that's the big question mark. So Notre Dame has a decision to make here, Brian. Um, they're they're going to have to decide whether they want to go, you know, stick with the guys that they've got in the quarterback room right now or that are arriving to the quarterback room in January, or are they going to, go into the transfer portal and see what's out there. Um, that's, that's what Notre Dame has, has on their plate right now. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do with this quarterback decision? I, or both. Or both, yeah, yeah. for that matter, or both. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, for me, I think Notre Dame's going to go get a grad transfer. And, and honestly, I think there's merit to getting – I think they need to get a grad transfer. I think that that grad transfer needs to be brought in at the very least for depth because, you know, one of the big question marks that we have about the quarterback depth chart is, is Brandon Clark going to be healthy enough to go into the spring and compete for the position? And then if he misses that valuable time, how ready is he going to be to really battle legitimately for the starting job in the fall? Uh, So then you have Drew Pine, who has, what, two career passes, two or three career career passes, uh, who still needs a lot of time in the weight room, and Tyler Buckner. A, a true freshman who has played like really one full year of varsity football in high school. Right. You know, he missed his sophomore right. year with a knee injury, missed his senior year because California tr- canceled high school football. So, you know, that's not a real experienced guy. That's not like a, you know, Justin Fields or a Phil Dracovic or a Trevor Lawrence, guys who played like four years of high school football, led their teams to, you know, multiple, right. you know, title runs, uh, you know, deep playoff runs. So that experience is going to hurt Tyler Buckner early on, I believe. Now, that doesn't, change at all his upside but you know you think about like a guy like Trevor Lawrence being thrust in as a true freshman and now that's the new standard that everybody has for a great freshman quarterback well Trevor Lawrence was a generational player he was the number one player in the country there's a difference between a guy like Tyler Buckner who I think is kind of like in that 40 to 50 range a really excellent quarterback and then Trevor Lawrence who's number one I mean there's just a difference and and Trevor Lawrence had a lot more high school experience Trevor Lawrence was a guy that was a generational player those guys don't come along every year uh they don't come along every five to ten five ten years really in my opinion that's what I think of Trevor Lawrence so you can't expect and even he didn't start the first game I mean he didn't start until really like game four or five I believe now he worked into the mix so you know, do they do they say, hey, look, we're gonna we're gonna develop our young players, we're gonna coach them up, and we're gonna bring in a a grad transfer to kind of battle, but he's gonna have to prove himself just as much as the younger guys, and he's there kind of for for protection. And if that guy wins the job, and he's clearly head and shoulders better than the other quarterbacks, so be it. And and of course, there's the no brainer. If there's a Joe Burrow or a Justin Fields out there, obviously you go get that guy. If J T. Daniels is in the market now. 
as opposed to last year, that's a no brainer. Right. Um, you know, but, but most likely it's going to be like a Jack Cone from Wisconsin, right? That's most likely going to be the kind of quarterback that you're going to go after. And my concern, Vince, and we'll, we'll dive into this even more when we get into it. My concern is that they're going to do with a grad transfer quarterback, what they did with Ben Skoranek wide receiver. And when I talked about, you know, getting Ben Skoranek a little over a year, under a year ago, when he decided to transfer to Notre Dame, it was, if you use him correctly, this is a great pickup. You know, good possession receiver. You can move all over the field, can play in the slot, can play outside, can play boundary. As long as you don't try to turn him into a go-to guy, this is a great pickup. Well, they tried to turn him into a go-to guy and didn't develop the young players. They gave, they just didn't develop Jordan Johnson, Xavier Watts, you know, guys like that. I don't blame him for Braden Lindsay because you can't develop a guy who's not on the field. Um, you know, but there were plenty of opportunities to develop younger players, Joe Wilkins, and they, and they didn't do enough of that. Used them at times, but not enough of it because they just said, okay, Ben Skronik, you're our starter. You're going to play, you know, 95% of the snaps of this position. That would be my big concern is if you lose a full another year of development with a grad transfer, that's problematic. Unless you can somehow have it be a guy that, that maybe can has two years left and you think there's some upside. Cause you know, remember Joe Burrow didn't become Joe Burrow till his second year. As At a star, yeah, right. Um, now, part of that was system. You know, they changed systems, but still, you don't go from 19 touchdowns to 60 just because of system. Joe mm-hmm. Burrow developed as a player as well, uh, and it was that year of going through the SEC battles as the starter that then prepared him to do that a year later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so there's that aspect of it. But my big concern, Vince, is if you just do this and you kind of just automatically insert that guy in the starting lineup and then don't develop your younger players that's a that's a problem for me and that's my concern because we've seen that with Notre Dame we've seen sure. Brian Kelly be very hesitant to put backup quarterbacks in the game I mean when you consider the fact that Notre Dame played I believe if I'm if my it's either as many or more teams that had a losing record this year than they played teams with a winning record uh and two of those teams with a winning record were six and five it's inexcusable that your quarterbacks only got into like two three games right uh and unfortunately for Brennan Clark, two of those games were games he was out. Well, one was with COVID, COVID one yep. with the knee injury. Right. So, you know, that's problematic. And, and that's the coaching staff's put them in a bad spot. And they're going to have to, they're going to have to find a way to bring in a veteran, but also groom the young guys and not just take the easy route, which is to take an experienced low ceiling player and just say, Hey, you're the guy. And then hopefully we can get Tyler Buckner developed. That's a, that's a disservice to, to Drew Pine, uh, Brandon Clark, and Tyler Buckner, in, in my right. opinion. So, so if they let, – let's talk pros and cons here um, with the internal candidates, right, with the three guys that are in-house. Let, let's talk about the pros and cons. What, the upside of going with one of those guys and the downside of going with one of those guys. Personally, this is the perfect year uh, to put a guy in that doesn't have a ton of experience uh, in my opinion, because if you look at the schedule that Notre Dame is going to have, it's a very manageable schedule uh, this coming year. And two years from now, the 22 schedule is a is a beast. Mm-hmm. And so for me personally, that's not the year I want a first-year starter. Correct. Um, I want a first-year starter this coming year. And look, you're going to take your lumps a little bit, of course. Uh, are you going to go undefeated with a, with a, with one of these guys? Probably not. But mm-hmm. I mean, you never know. But probably not. Um, but I mean, if you're being realistic and you're you're taking the truth, sir, you're not really competing for a national championship next year. Whoever mm-hmm. is behind center, it's maybe just I'm that wrong. Perfect. It it would be a surprise. I mean, it's that it's that it's it's kind of like I wrote an article, Vince, at, at oursbreakdown.com, where I said, you know, this is the perfect time to make a a, a big offensive change that's needed. Sure. Because you do lose four starting offensive linemen. And that's, you are that's losing huge. your 35-game starter at quarterback. You are losing your two top pass catchers on the outside. Yep. You're losing your defensive coordinator. You're losing your all but one of your best players on defense. No one's expecting Notre Dame to win a national championship next year. If, if, right. if Notre Dame goes 10-2 and two next year, I'm, I'm – you know, I'm going to say that's, that's a quality season, depending on some other sure. factors. But, I mean, that's not the expectation. When we talk about competing for championships being the standard, it's not that you're supposed to win every single year. And when right. you don't win, it's a failure. Right. Uh, it's about are you, are you competing for championships on a consistent basis? But sometimes you're going to get into those perfect scenarios where you lose a mess of starters. And, and you know, your, your goal isn't to necessarily go 12-0 and and, and beat Alabama and Clemson, Ohio State. It's prepare yourself this season to be as good as you can be 
that then vaults you into next season. And, and you know, let's say they get a Jack Cohn, and Jack Cohn has two years of eligibility because, you know, I, I have to do more research on this, but I believe he'd have two years of eligibility. You know, is Jack Cohn really going to move the needle and have you beat Clemson and Ohio State in 2022? Or You know what I mean? Like, right. um, no, the guys on your roster that have a chance to have the upside to beat those teams are Drew Pine and, in my opinion, Tyler Buckner. Mm-hmm. Tyler Buckner, because of his God-given ability, Drew Pine has it with his traits if they're willing to make changes to the system. So you have those guys. So if you bring in a Jack Cone and you want to start him because you don't want to throw Drew Pine in the mix right away, and this kind of will dive into your question, Vince, we'll start with Drew Pine. I like Drew Pine a lot more than most people, and people like to focus on he's not very big and he doesn't have a cannon for an arm. Well, I think his arm's better than some people think, but it's not a great arm. It's, it's, it's about where Ian Books was as a, as a high school player. It reminds me a lot of Ian Books right. coming out of high school. Um, Ian was a lot better, more athletic than Drew is, but Drew can manage the pocket. He's got a great release, and in high school, he didn't show me some of the same concerns I had about Ian Book when it came to timing and anticipation. Those are strengths of Drew Pine. So if you run an offense that becomes RPOs, um, quick game, going through progressions, getting the ball downfield that way, that's right up Drew Pine's wheelhouse. The problem that you're going to have with Drew Pine in 2021 is I think he's probably still a year away physically Mm -hmm. from being able to play 65 snaps a game and take that pounding. Now, we don't really – I mean, I don't yet know how he's going to develop this offseason. The good thing for him is he did have last spring to to get into the playbook. But the problem is because of COVID, they all got sent home in March. Right. So he missed March, April, May of what would have been on-campus weight training. Sure. That hurts him. Absolutely does, yeah. Um, You know, that puts him behind the, the eight ball. So I, I think when I, when I, my concern with Drew Pine is physical. It's just, can he physically hold up? I have no concerns that if, if Notre Dame makes the necessary changes on offense next year schematically, and, and I don't even necessarily mean completely overhauling the offense, which I think they should do, but if they're going to have the same complexity that they've always had, that, that we've seen other quarterbacks struggle to handle, including Ian Book, even still as a 35 game starter, still had struggles going through the complexities and understanding what route was actually going to be run and, you know, and throwing a ball on time, then, then, then they're going to be terrible at quarterback next year. And they're not going to be very good if they bring in a veteran either. They need to be able to say, hey, look, we're young on the offensive line. We're going to be young at quarterback, and we've got a lot of young talent at the skill positions. We've got to make sure that we're running a system that allows them to play confidently and play smart and use their talent to their advantage. If Notre Dame does that, then I'm not as concerned about the quarterback position sure. because I think at the very least Drew Pine could step in there and be a point guard and get the and ball where distribute. Then you have you know so 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 to me that right there is is a good starting point. Then you look at Brendan Clark, who is not the mental player that Drew Pine is. I think he's more like a Phil Dracovic in that you know he was a two sport star in high school. Dracovic was a great basketball player. Brendan Clark was more of a baseball guy. Uh, raw technique, just kind of got by on God-given ability and a big arm, and he's athletic. Um, you know, he's kind of got some of that Ian Book athleticism, but he's got a much stronger arm. The issue with Brendan Clark is, and Vince, you've seen this firsthand, the ball comes out of his hand as good as any quarterback we've seen since, I would say, Everett, just he, as far he, as how yeah. it looks. He spins it better than anybody oh, that was man. on the roster, no doubt. But, and that includes when Phil Dracovic was here. Now, Correct. again, Phil Dracovic's a better quarterback, but, you know, Phil's kind of got some Peyton Manning in him. I'm not saying he's – Peyton Manning didn't throw a ton of spirals. Where's my, right? where's my Twitter? What I'm, I'm tweeting that. You just compared yeah. him to Peyton John Manning. Elway was that way. We've seen that. We've seen other quarterbacks just don't throw a ton of spirals. And, and Phil, especially at Notre Dame, didn't throw a ton of spirals. I'm talking about just how the ball aesthetically right. looked. Everett Golson threw the ball out of his hand as good as anybody Notre Dame's had under Brian Kelly. Jimmy Clausen just – I mean, it was like – quarterback tape watching him throw the football brendan clark when the ball comes out of his hand it's a beautiful thing yeah and it's a powerful thing yeah the problem is like man did you how beautiful that pass was it landed 15 feet away from any receiver but it was looked good looked great you know looked great going 10 feet over the 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 guy's head and we saw that in high school i remember breaking down his state championship game pence and there was a – I think it was a post route. He threw a post route, like, over top of three guys just on a dime in the back of the end zone. And I'm like, oh, my – that's a great throw. But he also had, like, two or three hitch routes that he threw into the stands. <laughs> and they weren't like guys were covered. I mean, it right. just 
it just sailed on him, you know, because he still has that baseball stride, that long pitcher stride. You don't want that as a quarterback. Um, you know, so he's still got a lot to learn. And, and the fact that he didn't play at all this year, I mean, he played like, what, one right. game? I think he got into, I think, the pit game. Okay. He got into the pit game. And uh, I think that's it. He has no experience, and I don't know how much he was able to kind of really be developed this year with the way that Notre Dame has always run the quarterback room, which is the starter gets most of the attention. Yeah. And, you know, the backup is not developed the way that he should. We saw that with Phil Dracovic. We've seen that with other guys. And so – and that's one thing where I do think – I think the previous offensive coordinator did a good job of early on was he wasn't afraid to get Ian Book in there early in blowouts and, and let him throw the ball. Let them run the ball. Um, that was a positive. You need to do sure. that. And they didn't do that this year. And part of that was because they didn't blow teams away the way they should have. You know, Duke gave up almost 40 points a game this year. Notre Dame only scored 27. And they didn't, they didn't pull away till late. You know, Georgia Tech's another game. They didn't, that, that's a game your, your backup quarterback should have been in the game late third quarter, but you couldn't because the game was still too close. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of games like that this year where the backup should have got in a lot earlier, but the offense didn't do what they needed to do to put them away. So that hurt. But, but, but Brendan Clark and Drew Pine could not be more polar opposites as, as prospects. And that's kind of where you get into some of the challenge, Vince, which is how you develop one offense for two quarterbacks that could not be more different. Right. And that's where right. you get Tyler, Tyler Buckner, you know, the freshman is, he's sort of the combination of the two. Sure. He's got a big arm. He's very athletic. Kid rushed for over 1,600 yards as a junior in high school. Uh, was, was a – at one time, I believe, was committed to Michigan for lacrosse as an eighth grader. If he wanted to be, he'd be one of the nation's best <clears throat> lacrosse players. So this is an athlete, but he also spins it really well. Now, what I don't know is has he got rid of that funky throwing motion that we saw this past summer? I don't know the answer to that. Um, we've seen what has happened when stud quarterbacks mess with their throwing motion we saw that with Phil well, Dracovic early I, on at Notre Dame. A couple sentences on this one. If you're a college coach, are you messing with his delivery? Or since you know that he can spin it and get it out where it needs to be, are you just going to let him look funky? I don't think this one's on Notre Dame. I, I don't think he changed it because Notre Dame asked him to. I, I, don't, I don't think that's the case. I, I think that he's got a quarterback's coach for whatever. Maybe there's an injury that we don't know about that's forced him to do this, but – I would I would want him to get back to what he was. Okay, that's what I would want to do because the oh, most. So you're saying he changed from what he was junior year to the off season. Correct. He's different now in a bad Correct. way. He's got like okay. this low release, and the ball kind of go naturally has like an upward trajectory, and it's really quick, but it's really weird. The ball doesn't jump out of his hand the way it did. When he went to the Elite 11, I had some people that I know were like, "Hey, you know, this is this is isn't good that you know, he's changed." I'm like, you know. I, People say all types of things. People like to be critical of quarterbacks at camps, and I'm like, okay, it's going. And, and nine times out of ten, I see it. I'm like, okay, what are you talking about? He's at a camp. That's how you, you know, you 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 do things differently in a seven on seven game than you would sure. in an eleven on eleven. You know that, Vince. Sure. But then I saw it, and I was like, what the heck is that? Like, I don't know what that is. And the fact is, is the ball didn't come out of his hand as clean. Now, the other part of that is, I would fix it unless when he shows up, he's throwing well with it. So if it's no longer altering how he throws the ball, then I then okay. I probably wouldn't mess with it. Right. As long as he can that be accurate, sense. throw the ball downfield. And because that, that goes back to my original stance on quarterbacks is as long as the guy can do what you need him to do, I don't care what it looks like. If the ball's if he can get it out quickly, if he can get it out on time, if he can get it out with accuracy, I don't care what his throwing motion looks like. Right. I just care that it gets where it needs to get to when it needs to get there and you're making plays. Yeah. So if he's doing that with his new motion and he's just kind of gotten used to it and he can still be a great thrower. I wouldn't mess with it, but that's not what we saw from him during the Elite Eleven. So, is it um, is it an even race for these three coming out of uh, or going into spring ball or whatever? I mean, in your eyes, I don't. I mean, to me, it should be. They you know, I mean, look, equal playing time. I don't want to play Tyler Buckner in the first game of the year as a starter. I don't because I just don't like playing freshman quarterbacks at a place like Notre Dame that early. I would rather you rotate him in and then let him earn it. And that's what Clemson did a smart thing with Trevor Lawrence is everybody knew during fall camp of that year in 2018 that Trevor Lawrence was a better player than Kelly Bryant. Right. Kelly Bryant had earned a right to kind of, you know, he took him to the playoff the year before. He'd earned the right to be the starter, but they would rotate Trevor Lawrence in, which right. takes pressure off of him. And then when he proved to be ready to take over, they, they put him in the starting lineup. It is so much easier to do that with a freshman than to start him he falters and fails, and then you got to take him out. 
what does that right. do to his psyche? Sure. No, absolutely. Whereas if he proves not ready to play as a, you know, I got in the third series, it's much less impactful on his psyche to say, hey, you know, we got you some work and now we're going to, you know, we're going to go with our guy. Gotcha. That's not benching a guy. That's, you know, that's just, that's just limiting the role that he had. Right. That's what I'd like to see. However, however, if he gets into the situation and it's head and shoulders, he's better than everybody else, then, then you've got to play it him. Is. Yeah, right. But I also don't think it's going to be him head and shoulders above everybody else because I think a lot of people are dismissing Brendan Clark's God-given ability and Drew Pine's intelligence and fit in an offense. And, and sure. look, if you're talking about who's the best NFL prospect, Brendan, Drew Pine's going to be at the bottom of your list. He's 5'11", he's not 200 pounds, he's not over athletic, he doesn't have a big NFL arm. Exactly. This isn't the NFL. This is college football. And there are offenses where Drew Pine could be a really good college quarterback. Right. Is that going to be 2021? Is he going to be ready to do it then? I don't know. And that's the big question mark is, you know, how, how patient are you going to be as a coaching staff with these guys? But the other part of it is, Vince, if you continue to do what you do, and that's Brian Kelly's big thing, we are who we are, we're going to do what we do. If you do that next year, you're going to fail. Um, if you are willing to be smart and adapt and use this as a, hey, look, we're going to we're going to bring RPOs back. We're going to we're going to become a modern offense. You know, we're going to we're going to we're going to get back to who we are. And, and I wrote an article today at IrishBreakdown.com where I talked about Brian to move forward and come into the modern game. Brian Kelly needs to look backwards, and then he looks back to his time at Grand Valley State in the. The two years where Grand Valley was the best, it was 01 and 02. In 01, they would have won a national championship if their starting quarterback doesn't get hurt in the second round of the playoff, Kurt Ains. Before he got hurt, they were averaging 56.7 points per game. Jeez. Over the two-year span of 01 and 02, they averaged, I think it was off the top of my head, I'm trying, it was like 51.5 points per game. They were over 500 yards of offense. They were over 200 yards rushing as well. So it's not like I'm saying abandon the run. No, you've got right, a great rushing operation going. Keep yes. that up. But now Agreed. add some explosiveness, RPOs, getting the ball outside. Sure. Do the things that Alabama did because you're going to have weapons to do that with. And that is, you know, RPOs, quick game, you know, uh, screen, you know, a lot of things like that where you've got weapons at running back, a receiver, tight end to where you can spread it around. And now you're allowing what Brian Kelly's always said, I can scheme my way into success on offense, right? So stop making it be so, you know, advanced and, and you know, you've got to know all these different route trees. Do what all these other great teams are doing. Do what Oklahoma did this year. Oklahoma had a, a young redshirt freshman quarterback. Their best two best receivers were a redshirt freshman and a freshman, and they took their lumps early. But by the end of the year, that was a really good flipping football team. Right. Now they're going into 2021. You're like, that's a team to be reckoned with. They started off one and two. Mm-hmm. It did not look like a typical Oklahoma team. Spencer Rattler had some rough games early, right. but they stuck with it. And by the end of the year, that was a pretty good football team. Yeah. And so, um, but, and, and they're not asking their quarterback to make eight reads on one play. They're not sure. asking the receivers to do three side adjusts per play. They're not doing any of that stuff. It's a college offense. Yep. So, so this is the perfect time for me to Notre Dame to do that, and hopefully they're, they're willing to do that. Because I actually think Tommy Reese could thrive in that, Vince. I really do. Yeah. I think as a young coach, he could thrive in that. But I, I, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but if you try to run the same offense next year that you <laughs> ran this year, you're in trouble. You, you're you're going to then lose to teams you shouldn't lose to because you're right. just going to be able to score enough points. Right. Well, the other scenario is to bring in a grad transfer, and we're, we're going to we're gonna dive into that a little bit more deeply. But, again, we need to hear from – you know, one of our friends, uh, and that's Bet Online. The NBA is back in action, and football is heading into the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. So, the other scenario, Brian, that we need to talk about is the transfer portal and mm-hmm. the, the infamous transfer portal. And uh, 
I'm we're not used to talking about the transfer portal when it comes to quarterbacks uh, at Notre Dame. We're, we're used to them leaving. We're not used to them coming. Um, and so that, that's an interesting scenario for this 2021 Notre Dame football team. Give me your thoughts, just pros and cons of Notre Dame hitting up the transfer portal for this particular quarterback room. And I think we should – let's just talk about who it is. And that's we, – we think, from everything I've been told, Jack Cohn from Wisconsin is going to be – the guy that Notre Dame targets. And, and why is he Why is he the target? And you, you had mentioned this off the air to me, uh, that he has some familiarity with Notre Dame. Yeah, well, first of all, he's experienced. You know, he started a couple years at, at Wisconsin. He was beat out this past year by, by Graham Wirtz, and, and I don't know if he was healthy either. But uh, that's number one. You know, Brian Kelly's always going to go for he the veteran. He loves experience, baby. Um, but uh, also, he was committed to Notre Dame as a, as a lacrosse player. Right uh, before he be, he hit a little bit of a growth spurt and really became a top prospect as a, as a quarterback. So, right, um, very familiar with Notre Dame. Been to Notre Dame. Uh, he's a guy that to me is sort of what Kelly looks for. He's a game manager. He can he can make enough throws to keep teams honest, but not really a guy that's going to go out there and win you big games. Sure. Yeah. Right. But he's not going to get you beat against those those other teams either. He's a a less mobile but slightly better passer doesn't have the army and book has, but better passer. I think he'll take more chances. He's you know, a little better at reading and processing coverages and things like that. Okay. Um, than Ian book was, but very similar in overall impact of, okay. of what he can do upside wise, just different way of going about getting to that. Level. Gotcha. Okay. So the, the good thing about bringing in a guy like that is number one, you're bringing in some experience. So, if the young players aren't ready, and that's something fans have to understand, there's a chance that Brian Kelly starts a guy like Jack Cohn this year because that's the only way they're going to win games. Because what you can't do is start a young guy, and you know you said take your lumps, Vince, which is true, but take your lumps can't mean four and eight. No, I agree. Six with that. and six. We're not taking, talking about you're that. You're taking right. a major step backwards. No, right. I wasn't talking about that. Right. Either. So, so if that's what you're afraid of, and that's a genuinely afraid of, not like we're going to use that as our justification for playing an, right. a, an older player, but genuinely afraid of like this kid can't hold up. You know, we love Drew's mind, but physically we don't think he can hold up sure. over the course of a year. Or, you know, Tyler's got a ton of ability, or Brennan's got a ton of athleticism, but they can't process basic reads. You know, even right. if you even if you change the offense the way that I want to change it. That doesn't mean anyone can run it. Sure. There has to be a level of, of competence mentally to, to go out and run it where you're not turning the ball over three or four times a game. Mm -hmm. There's a case where maybe none of those guys are ready for one reason or another, and you need a guy like Jack Cohn to go out there and manage the offense. If that's the case, he allows you to win games. And at the very least, you need a grand, a grad transfer at quarterback to have a, a, a healthy depth chart at quarterback. Right. You know, with right. Brandon Clark's injury problems, with Trevor, with Tyler Buckner's injury history and lack of experience, sure. that's two guys that you don't know how ready they're going to be this year. Sure. And so – And then you've you, got Drew Pine, who you have already chronicled his physical stature or correct. lack thereof. And so if he ends up being your guy and he gets hurt – Right. What do you Maybe got? Drew Pine's ready to go, but you don't bank on that. So sure. I think a grad transfer is needed. That makes sense. Sure. What I don't want to see happen is what we – I think we talked about this earlier with Ben Skoranek is you don't want them to just say, hey, you're our guy no matter what because you're a veteran. Um, even if it's that early on and, and you, you, you know, Tyler's not quite there yet, but you think he, he can be or Drew's then, – then work him in, whether that's as, as what Clemson did with Trevor Lawrence in 2018, what they mm -hmm. did with DJ Uwangalele in 2020. I don't know if I did it right that time. It's close. Um, you were close. Ui Ungalale. Ui Ungalale. There you uh, go. In 2020, what we've seen other teams do, whereas, you know, hey, look, we're going to work them in. And it's not working them in the second second series of the Notre Dame game. It's working them in the second series of the Wake Forest game. Or, you know, getting, Notre Dame's going to have games like that next year. I, sure. think they play, I think they play Toledo next year. They play Cincinnati. They play Purdue. There's going to be games where you can work the young guy in. And then if he proves himself capable of playing and then you put him in there and you definitely have an early hook for your starter when you're blowing teams out. Yeah. Yeah. They you know, play so Toledo in game two. That's our whole, right. whole opener. Yeah. You know, so if you're up on, you know, Florida state by three touchdowns in the third quarter, put your young backup quarterback in with sure. the rest of the first team offense. Yes. That absolutely. kind of thing. Yeah. And that's where a guy like a Jack Cone could really help you. Uh, you could win 10 games next year with Jack Cohn, quarterback. He's proven sure. that. He took Wisconsin to the Rose Bowl, I believe, in mm -hmm. 2019. 
uh, and they had a great game against Wisconsin. You know, I think they lost at the end. I think Wisconsin won that game, right? Or, I mean, Oregon won that game, I believe. But it was a really good ball game. You, you, you know, he played in a Big Ten championship game against Ohio sure. State. They had a lead at halftime, you know. So, he's played in some battles. You know, he's, he's going to be a tested quarterback. And perhaps, perhaps he was somewhat stifled by the Wisconsin offense and the lack of playmakers. And at a place like Notre Dame, he could really thrive. So I think sure. that's the other upside of maybe taking a Jack Cohn is maybe he's a little better than we think he is because you get him out of an offense that was so run heavy like Wisconsin's. And, and yeah. But then I'd say, well, isn't that exactly what Notre Dame was in 2020 with Ian Book? Sure. Uh, so then, then you then you know you don't have that same ceiling. But let's say Notre Dame decides to make some changes schematically because they can't rely on the the offensive line in 2021 right. the way they did in 2020. Right. And they become more of a, you know, let's get the ball outside, let's attack down the field. Maybe Jack Cohn has a level, a ceiling that we don't know about because he was never given that opportunity at Wisconsin. Sure, sure. So it's, to me, a, a low-risk, high-reward scenario to bring in a guy like Jack Cohn for okay. me. Okay. I just am not my own, as long as you don't just anoint him as the starter right. and, sure. and those other guys are just another year of backups. If he's right. anointed as a starter, but we're going to use the spring and fall to figure out who the next guy is, who's the, the heir apparent. That's fine. Then start to work that guy in some way, somehow, if it's Tyler Buckner, if it's Drew Pine, whatever the case may be, get that guy some experience in that way. If Jack Cohn is what he was at Wisconsin later in the season, maybe you can be ready for a switch or, if you go into 2022 against a much tougher schedule, much tougher that kid schedule. will have the experience needed to then go win the job, and you've now got the higher upside guy. So that's kind of how I would handle it. But I do think a grad transfer is needed, and I do think a grad transfer is needed that can start and win you games if the other guys aren't either healthy or ready to play. So sure. those are two legitimate scenarios. As much as I'm a develop the younger players kind of guy, Vince, you know that. I don't think that there's anything wrong bringing in a grad transfer as long as it's a, a, a you don't do what you did with Ben Skronik, which is that grad transfer becomes a, a stifling to your willingness or ability to develop the younger players. Sure. No, that makes that a lot would of be sense. my thing. I, I, I think the ideal scenario for me, and I agree with you, I think they do need another body in that room uh, just based on everything that you outlined. you got injury history. You've got physical limitations at the moment with, uh, with Drew Pine. Uh, I, I think having another body in the room is really important. Um, I'm, I'm worried that he's going to be anointed the starter and there's not going to be a competition and they're going to forget about those guys, those other guys that are in the quarterback room and they're going to spend all their time trying to get uh, the, the new guy in and whether that's Jack Cohn or somebody else, um, you know, I, I just, that worries me. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't have, we don't have any basis uh, on the, in this particular position to fall right. back on as far as bringing in somebody and then focusing on them all alone. We don't have that. What we do have is this staff and Brian Kelly specifically um, his penchant to play guys that are veterans uh, regardless of whether they're being competed with or against he likes those guys that have experience and, and it's and, not just it it's not just this past year with Ben Skronik no I saw the same thing in 2017 when you had sure. Freddie Canteen and Cam Smith at receiver those two guys plus Chris Fink ate up over 100 combined snaps while Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool played a combined 12 snaps right and that's Georgia. the problem and that's, that's the, the issue is yes. I had no problem playing Cam Smith and Freddie Canteen, but that's as you develop and grow Miles Boykin right. on the field, not just in practice and, and right. Chase Claypool. Absolutely. Same correct. thing this year with Kevin Austin and Brayden Lindsey when they was healthy and, and, and Lawrence Keyes and Joe Wilkins and Jordan Johnson and Xavier Watts. There were Jay Brunel. There's plenty of guys that you should have been able to bring along. Sure. You should have used the first month of the season. You played, you knew your schedule was garbage when you when you got it. Absolutely. You knew your September, your early seasons, late September, early October schedule was a bunch of bad teams. You should have used that, that opportunity, opportunity to work guys into the game. And then if a guy proves he's not ready, he's not ready. But you're not going right. to lose the Duke game because you gave Jordan Johnson 12 snaps or Xavier Watts 12 right. snaps. You're not going to lose the South Florida game because you worked those guys in the first half and didn't wait till it was 45 nothing and they're just they're just blocking the whole time. You don't actually right. throw them the ball. You're not losing those games because of that. You're not losing to Florida State because of that. You're not losing to Georgia Tech because of that. You're not losing to Pitt because of that. You're, you get the drift. Yeah, no. You know, I, and, and you me, have to it. know that as a staff. And Clemson does that. Ohio State does that. All the good teams um, do it. Uh, they Alabama all, does all, it. 
Oh, so, 100%. Yeah. So that's, so that's, that's the concern. Yeah. So my ideal scenario is that you bring in somebody and that's fine, but he is on equal footing with everybody else mm-hmm. with an opportunity to win the job and the best man mm-hmm. will win. And if that happens to be the guy they bring in, if that's Jack Cohn, then so be it. That's great. Mm-hmm. If right. he wins it, awesome. Right. Best man in. But you best have to wins. be forward thinking with it. That's you the only have, thing I would say. And that also worries me because we haven't, yeah. we haven't seen that either. Right. But that's, have not. That's, another, that's another issue. But that's kind of the quarterback situation in a nutshell, Brian, where it stands here uh, in early January. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to see some practice in March. I'm not holding my breath on that one. Um, I, just, I just don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see some of this competition. That, that's mm-hmm. for sure. I would love to see some of this quarterback competition. I love a good quarterback competition. There's talent there. That's the encouraging. Of course thing. there is. And we There's would be able to – if we were in practice, we would be able to tell you pretty much right away if it's an even competition right. or if the decision's been made. I mean, that just based on snaps. And, Which is and, and partly why we may not so. be able to be there in the spring. I, I think COVID's going to be a nice excuse for us not to be there so that they don't have to. Because there's going to be competition all over the place. Mm-hmm. And with that said, we're going to be having podcasts coming up that is going to diagnose all of that coming mm-hmm. forward, where where it stands, uh, offensive line, for example, there's going to be four new starters. What does that look like? Uh, there's going to be four new starters, and there might be five new starting positions. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty solid bet at this point. So uh, a lot to talk about there uh, and a lot of other positions as well. So make sure you stay locked in. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast uh, so you can be notified. We're going to have, uh, you know, all of our stuff on YouTube as yep. well. The offseason is not the offseason for us, Vince. No, it's not. No, it's not. And so there's all going to be there's, – there's already some great stuff over on irisbreakdown.com, so make sure you head over there and stay locked in. Uh, this is going to be one heck of an offseason, and uh, this is not going to be the 2020 version of Notre Dame when we, when they square off in Tallahassee. So I'm looking forward to it. This is what I love about college football is the turnover and the remaking of a team mm-hmm. and how they're able to do that. Mm-hmm. So, again, make sure you stay locked in. For Brian Driscoll, he's the publisher. For Vince D'Addario, I'm the football analyst. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs> Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.